Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name's Jeremy. This is a very special episode of The Danger Room, in which we cover uh, Marvel Comics Presents Weapon X. Yes, sir. This will be an interesting one because the whole 12 12 issue, 12 part series, which encompasses uh, what, 120 some pages, if not more? Yeah, there's the in the, in the version I'm reading it of. There's an introduction by Larry Hamlin, which has it says it's 125 pages. Okay, so yeah, uh, is mostly atmosphere. <laughs> there's a lot of dialogue, but yeah, the dialogue is generally over nothing. You know, the, the dialogue is is enhancing the atmosphere. I guess. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, I was on before I started reading this uh, this time around because just like you Adam I collected these as they came out uh, I believe I read each part as they came out and then I never sat down and read them all together so I think one of our sort of experiments given the history of Marvel Comics Presents was to see if put this all together and does it work um, and before we jump into it, I'm going to say it absolutely does. Yeah, no, this is this is like a masterwork. As far as this is probably the best thing to ever come out of Marvel Comics Presents. From I would agree. From what we've read up till now, absolutely. Um, the other thing I was I did I did a modicum of research. I typed in because I wanted to know how many parts it was before I started reading it yesterday. I was like, well, do I have to start this at like 9 a.m.? Is it going to be like a huge slog to get through it? Uh, or can I start it at 7 p.m. and just blast through it? Uh, the latter was true. On the Wikipedia uh, for Marvel Comics Presents or this particular storyline, it said that this uh, is more in the vein or has the atmosphere of a horror film. And okay. I read it. And I was like, yep, this absolutely has, I felt like anyways, the atmosphere of a horror film, like you set all these things up uh, and then everything falls down. Um, and then I was like, yeah, this sort of reading this front to back, right? You definitely have your beginning, middle and end. You have an epilogue. Uh, I was like, this could be a movie. Like <laughs> if and when the MCU introduces the X-Men, they should just take this uh, as their blueprint for a Weapon X movie. Uh, and just do it. Like, don't don't get cute. Don't change it up. Just do this. That would be pretty cool. But the uh, they won't. I, I have one comment, and it's not really it's not really a criticism, although it sounds like one. You leave with more questions than you had when you started, which probably isn't a bad thing. But as far as like, I don't know. This was touted to be. We're going to show you. We're going to show you the origin of Wolverine. Sort of. We're going to show you how he got the adamantium, and. They do that, absolutely, but you leave with like lo- knowing less than you did when you came in. <laughs> it's like, uh, who are these people? What happened? Yeah, uh, I would agree. Well, where we leave off, what happens after that? Yeah. So, issue number 72 touts that before Wolverine, there was Weapon X, and uh, we get a half Wolverine costume and a half naked Wolverine and just get used to the naked Wolverine because that's what it's going to be for the next 11 parts. Well, we never see him in the costume in this, so we don't. That's that's uh weird that they would open with I guess it makes sense. 
this is Wolverine, just so you know. You couldn't put a, a completely naked Wolverine on the cover. Right. You, you got to bring in some of the people who recognize that costume. I think my favorite part about this series when it was coming out were the covers, the awesome Barry Windsor Smith covers. Um, uh, these definitely were hung on the wall. They're all they're all pretty good. Um, it's interesting that we always complain that as children we didn't like stylistic artwork, but this is very stylistic, but it's also realistic. I've always liked Barry Windsor Smith uh, from that first X-Men 205, which is just gushing with atmosphere. That's the one with Wolverine uh, uh, sort of mindless and... Uh, with Katie Powers, and she's got to kind of like protect him. And Lady Deathstrike stalking him. It's a great issue, um, and I I recognize that as a kid. Yeah, no, I mean it. It looks like uh, I don't know. I, everything looks good. The perspective, the, the bodies look good. The it looks it looks like a heavily detailed, slightly different, but still very realistic comic. Barry Windsor Smith does everything pretty much. He writes, draws inks colors uh i guess he did some of the lettering even oh well, yeah sure i mean there's some there's some sketchy lettering uh to indicate you know gravelly voice or whatever um but yeah he the one the other thing and i definitely commented on this in that x-men 205 uh he loves drawing atmosphere he loves drawing the backgrounds he loves drawing skies there's, I, I mean, we'll have to look for it, but there's very few like solid blue backgrounds, right? There's, um, there's usually something, unless it's a very small panel, then you might get just a solid color in the background. Uh, but if the panel's got any sort of space, he fills it, which is great. Yeah. So this first part is more of a prologue. Um, we don't really even get an introduction to the antagonists we just kind of see logan i don't even know if this is like modern day logan or if this is you know post department k logan it is it is post department k logan because as as you follow through there is sort of a little bit of you get a little bit of backstory on where logan is at this space and time as well as you this kind of introduces you to all the main players you get you see the professor who's looking over Experiment X. His glasses highlight over X-Men, which is our only kind of touchstone throughout this series that this relates to anything. Right. Um, it's a neat little effect, but it doesn't make any sense. We only get one snicked in this whole thing, the, I noticed. The X-Men doesn't make any sense because it's Experiment X. Uh, the professor's glasses highlight X and men, but I feel like wouldn't men be backwards? Uh, I don't know how glasses work. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's experiment. It's, it's I know it's for effect, but it's experiment X. The glasses highlight it, but then sort of reverse the X. Uh, uh, the the nose piece covers up the dash T. No, no, no. You're reading it all wrong. Oh, the nose I piece am. covers up the P E R I M or P E R I. Oh, I see. It's, the oh. X and experiment uh, that gets highlighted. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. All these years, I, I've been reading it as that last X because <laughs> that... thought it was being reversed. Yeah, that right lens is highlighting the X in experiment X. But, but yeah, what you just said makes way more sense. It's actually the X at the beginning, not the end. Okay, well, mystery solved. Thanks, everybody, for being <laughs> with me as we went through that. 
yeah, so Wolverine's Every just... time you read something, you learn something new. He's just kind of... He's hanging around. He's driving his convertible. He's he's wearing some... Uh, 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 shoot, what's that word? <laughs> um, flannel. A cowboy hat? Well, flannel shirts. Flannel shirts. He's hanging out at bars. It looks like he's being stalked by the professor, like he's kind of checking him out. I think that's the professor in the background when he's smoking a cigar. He's got like seven beers in front of him. You... Uh, wait, no, I think, I think that's the, one of the guys that knocks him out later. Oh, okay. That could be either way. He's connected to, which I didn't realize what's going <laughs> to, that's, that's a cool connection. Yeah. Well, he's just, you know, he's kind of ominously staring at, at Logan as he's doing his things. I guess you're right. It's probably one of the people that knocks him out later because the professor's back at his office. And when we say the professor, it's not professor X. It's, does he have a name other than the professor? No, he's just a professor, but he's supposed to be like, I don't know, I feel like you're supposed to think of Professor X. Well, he's bald. He's a bald guy. Skinny, old, glasses. Got glasses. That's pretty much his defining feature. Yeah. He's bald and he's the professor. He's been doing research. Uh, is his name Cornelius or is that the other guy? Cornelius is the Dr. Cornelius, the guy with the beard. Yeah, okay. So uh, we get a little backstory on Cornelius. He's... Apparently fleed the U.S. We get all this in newspaper clippings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a mercy killer. Uh, he has eluded the FBI. He has a mal- several malpractice suits on him. So who's narrating this thing? Time to write home. Make peace with somebody. Dear Ma, you goat-headed, misshapen, wall-eyed witch. Got news for you. The secret's out. Signed, your son with the hairy paws. Huh. As if I know who Ma was. Everybody's got one. So that must be Logan that's doing all this narration. Yep. Logan's doing all the narration in the prologue. And then I think we switch over to the three other players starting with the first episode. Yeah, because everybody's there's going to be dialogue boxes, not dialogue boxes, but narration boxes, and each one has a different color to indicate who's doing the thinking or the narration. But I guess my question is, is like we go through this whole thing, we see all these, well, we see Cornelius and uh, the professor doing their things. We see an interview scene with uh, Carol Hines, who's a sort of a f- small, frail uh, woman. Um previously worked for NASA. Yeah. Does Wolverine know what's happening? Or does Logan know that he's being sort of stalked? Nope. Because these are just things that are happening at the same time. And we're getting Logan's narration that a storm is coming. The the storm is, of course, not literal. Uh, well, for him it is. But we see that the... Uh, in the background, all of these people are putting together – the professor is putting together his team for Experiment X. Right. Uh, we get a little bit of backstory on Logan through some paperwork and some computers where apparently he has been forced to retire from whatever he worked at, Department K. I'm guessing Department uh, K, but whatever. I guess it he matter. was shooting in the firing range and something ricocheted and killed somebody, so he was forced to retire did he and kill I guess him? That's where oh, they, critical, he came to the attention of critical Cornelius and Doctor Professor. <laughs> Doctor Professor, yeah, a lot of really good use of not just narration, but like you said, the computer screens, the newspaper clippings to continue to tell the story. So yeah, definitely a lot of thought went into how do we how do we get ourselves to, uh, well, Weapon X. There's a. Uh, at the scene where he is, he is left at the hotel, the prophecy, uh, and there is a bunch of pills and a Seagram's over another 
newspaper that says outcry over mutants, but then there's another column that's Cornelia saint or murderer. Mm -hmm. So we're still learning a little bit about what's going, what the situation is. I guess mutants is a fairly newish concept in whenever this is. You could probably say that this, it doesn't say it, it doesn't matter, but if you really wanted to put it in a space and time, you could probably put it with the original X-Men sort of, uh, showing yeah i mean there's nothing to tie it to that there's there's there isn't anything direct about mutants and what time what time frame this takes place but there is like this especially towards the end there's there's this feeling that uh, logan is a sort of mutant activist and also terrified of mutants sort of thing yeah Um, mutants are known about at this time frame so based on the current continuity it would have not that it matters again, but it would have to be between X-Men number one and the current time. The uh, the paperwork that talks about Logan retiring says, has morbid preoccupation with current mutant scare. Press and trivia related sources suggest uh, possible nervous disorder or psychosis. So he apparently is preoccupied with the current mutant scare. Hmm. And we don't. I don't think we really find out why. It's just again, just setting up some some a little bit of motivation, setting up that mutants exist. Uh, I guess also maybe setting up that, and we'll find this out as we go through the story. Uh, he does not know that he's a mutant at this point. No. Uh, all this is going to get retconned, by the way. Although I bet he has he has a vague idea, which is probably why he's obsessed with it. Maybe, maybe he's doing like. I mean, because we'll learn as we go through the story that they're like, he probably doesn't even know that, like, after he drinks a whole bunch of booze, he barely has a hangover or all of these. I, I think if you have a healing factor, you pretty much know it. Well, if we look at the movie Unbreakable, Adam, <laughs> he, Bruce Willis, did not know that he had this ability until his son was like, let's put more weights on the barbell. How about more weights and more weights and more weights? And finally, he's like, yeah, I, I guess I've never been sick. I've never struggled with anything i think you're right okay and then he falls into the pool and that's his weakness just like wolverine we get the impression that this logan at this point in his life is very he's an alcoholic he goes from bar to bar he gets in fights he's falling apart he has no purpose pretty much sort of not all together so it could just be that he's not not really paying attention to anything but this is this is post being forced to retire because of that accident so I I don't know I don't know that we'll learn more about it it feels like he worked for the police or something but I mean we know from stories that would come that he worked as a covert operative for as sort of kind of a Canadian spy I guess We already know that though cuz he remember uh, the professor well actually I guess you're right cuz the professor shows up to the Canadian base and says hey Wolverine you want to join my super team and rescue the mutants on Krakoa yeah, and, and he's it, like yeah. is he known as Weapon X at that point or is he just Wolverine I feel like he's known as Weapon X but I I'd have to I'd have to go back and I'm not going to do that point is right. is he's like oh beats hanging out around with these geeks and then he leaves so no idea how he gets from the end of this story, which we'll get to, to the beginning of X-Men. I think we it? know, though. Uh, I think Giant size X-Men? There's a, either a classic X-Men backstory or something else that we've read where uh, 
what's her name? The two Alpha Flight people find him roaming around the Canadian woods. And you think that's yeah? I guess I guess that makes sense. I so think that's that in, leaves off with this, and he he comes directly into contact with them, and that's how. So 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 the question then becomes, who was he working for before he was working for Department yeah. A, K slash H K or H? Yeah, we said that. Um, I thought we'll have to look for it. I thought in this story, they specifically said that that's where he was working, but I may have also just made that up. So. Anyways, I guess for the portion of this story, and we'll probably learn more as we reread this, he was working in some sort of a law enforcement. I don't even know if we... Is it in Canada? It must be in Canada. He talks about going to the Yukon, so I'm going to assume yeah, it's up in okay. Canada. Um, and then, yeah, he wings a guy, he gets fired, and now he's lost. He's got no purpose, getting drunk all the time, getting into fights. He doesn't know what's going on. There's this one shot of somebody giving injections to what looks like an animal's mouth, and I don't know what that means. Well, on the next page, you see there's a monkey inside of a uh, similar tube that Logan himself will be uh, going through, and I'm, I'm assuming they're uh, injecting this monkey with adamantium. Gotcha. This is the trial. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I don't know why they're injecting something into his mouth, just because it's a disturbing image probably i didn't even connect what that was because there's like a whole bunch of bubbles in front of the uh i guess monkey or chimpanzee's face i didn't connect the dots that that was a monkey and also this might just be a dream that uh logan is having could be it's it's sort of hard to tell of like is he maybe this whole thing that's happening right now is maybe what he's dreaming about in while he's in the the adamantium chamber, which is going to happen later in the series. He does have a dream where claws come out of his hand and he says, ah, it's the same every night, pain and bones and spikes, dagger hands, bloodshot with vile stench and horror. And, but we're cutting back and forth to the monkey. So I think the monkey is literally a test subject for the adamantium sure. bonding process that I'm going to have to assume it does not survive. So Adam, does this, does this break or have no impact or bearing on the future revelation that Wolverine has bone claws? It's a good question. Because <laughs> um, you could argue that on this page where those the spikes come out, they kind of look like bone claws. But it also could be more of like a symbolism of like all the pain and all the things that are happening to his body as he's in the adamantium chamber. And we'll learn a little bit more about why he ends up with those claws. Cause it turns out it was a bit of a mistake. I think that this story plays it safe enough that it still works, that he has bone claws. I don't know if the intention was that he had bone claws in this story, but I think with what happens, it works. Yeah, I would agree that I don't think that Barry Windsor Smith conceived of a, an idea that Wolverine had bone claws or even intended to leave the door open for that. I think in the way that the story's written when they came back to do Logan or whatever the origin was, they're like, hey, we never really said it wasn't bones. Let's say it's bones. Well, no, I mean, it, it happens in... Uh, oh, you're right. You're right. When Wolverine gets his spoilers for stuff that's coming up in our podcast. We've and, talked about when Wolverine it. gets his um, adamantium ripped out of him by Magneto. That's when we first learned that he has bone claws. Yeah. And my guess would be, with absolutely no knowledge of this, that Larry Hammer read this story 
said, well, there's an opportunity for me to do bone claws because it doesn't really say right. why there's claws in this. And it doesn't necessarily break anything for me to do that. So I'm going to do it. And it works. Yep. So the team, the Experiment X team, they get all connected to their computers and stuff. Uh, and well, Logan is uh, just gotten done with like a bar fight or he's woken up from a bad dream. Uh, but he's in pain. And then we are cutting back and forth between the monkey. And I think I, I think I just assumed that that was Logan. The monkey? Yeah. I mean, it's not... It, it Now that you say that it's a monkey, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, Logan doesn't actually look like that. I thought it was just kind of like horror, over-accentuated hair and, and face to sort of uh, illustrate pain that he was going through. But the monkey makes more sense. Yeah. So, yeah, he sort of ends this with uh, storms coming, hell's coming, lightning, lightning strikes, strikes the, the prophecy. prophecy. Yep. And he uh, smashes the windows. Just like the old geezer said. Who's the old geezer? Uh, the old geezer is a homeless man he met outside of the prophecy that he referred to easy, uh, earlier. Where is we that? skipped over that part. Gotta go back. Gotta look. I don't see the old. Well, you don't, we don't see the old geezer. Ah. He, he just mentions him. Ah, okay. He says, uh, some drunk bum down the hall told me prophecy is part of the apocalypse. Did you know that? Hmm. Spat as he said it too. Then he croaked. Happens a lot around here. Been yeah. thinking about moving on. Hell is coming. And then the prophecy thing explodes. And that takes us to. He breaks the windows, which I did not. I don't think I've ever noticed that before. Marvel Comics presents number 73, which is the first part. Or just page nine if you're reading where I am. <laughs> yep. I'm reading this all in one story in uh, Wolverine Omnibus volume number one. Do you get all the covers in between or is it really just one? You get all the covers story? at the end. Ah, All right. Well, I'll so, let you know where the breaks are. So the story is just, I mean, you can figure out where the yeah. breaks are just by counting the pages. This is like this actually starts at page one of this, so it's pretty easy. Yeah, this is the first story in the omnibus for some reason, which seems kind of odd. If you're doing an omnibus and you're starting at the beginning, you think the first story would be origin, right? But that's not in Wolverine Omnibus Volume One. Gotcha. Much, I'm surprised. So this is where I was trying to figure out sort of the time period because we see uh, Logan coming out of a bar. And he goes to kind of an old hot rod. He's got an old timey car. But if you look in the panel where he's coming out, there's trucks in the, in the, uh, they're in shadow at the bar. So it's, it, it just, it's part of his character. He's got an old timey car because he's an old fashioned guy. I get that. But like, uh, the vehicles are sort of nondescript, nondescript and, uh, in shadow. The, the truck that's directly behind him sort of has an old timey look to it. Again, it doesn't matter, but uh, I had questions about where are we in time, but I think we've sort of worked through those. Anyways, uh, these guys just approach him, uh, and, and the one guy there with the slick back hair and glasses, I think that's the guy that was in the bar sure. uh, casing um, Logan, and they, they shoot him uh, uh, with a tranquilizer. We'll find that out later. And immediately, he's in the tube. We're cutting back and forth. Yeah, we cut to, uh, we get some blue text overlaid, which we learn that the blue text is uh, various operatives who work for Experiment X. There's something about who shaved the pageant. 
look at the poor guy. That's weird. I shaved him 20 minutes ago. He was smooth as an eight, eight ball. So we're, we're learning that his hair is growing back. And then we cut back and forth between the tube filling up with water or whatever, whatever goo it is. And the uh, goons taking him out with their tranquilizer. But one tranquilizer isn't going to be enough for Wolverine. Nope. He fights back. And they continue to talk about the tank filling up. It's it's really neat. It's kind of just intercutting, like, the initial prepping Logan for Experiment X uh, intercut with his assault uh, and an eventual takedown. We get color-coded captions for who's speaking, and we don't actually see who's speaking no. for a few pages, which is kind of neat. Yeah. So you got Dr. Cornelius, who is in orange, the professor, who is in green, and, Doc, uh, and uh, Carol Hines, who is in pink, and then basically various workers are in blue. And there's actually different colors. There's a dark blue and a light blue. It's just to just you know justify that there are all, uh, more workers that talk to each other. They eventually take him down, and they're uh, they're prepping all the adamantium. Uh, there's some problems, but they're like, ah, don't worry about it. We'll we'll compensate for it. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So they keep trying to sh- like. So we get feed steady, feed steady. So I think that is the adamantium being put In, into him. Injected. Yeah. Coming through the tubes, lacing up to his uh, his uh, his bones. And then his apparently his heart rate is far greater than they exceeded than than they expected it was would be. So the adamantium is going in uh, faster than they think it was going to. And then it keeps getting stuck as well. Mm-hmm. Um, feed impeded, feed impeded. So like they're realizing as they're doing this that he, his heart rate is going way past than that of a normal guy, which is causing the adamantium to go in even faster. At some point, he's like, "Are we going to have enough?" Yeah. And they they say, "Yeah, we should, but we'll, let's let's open up the the backup reservoir just in case." Right. Um, we also get that they kind of piece together as this is happening, as they're putting the adamantium into his body, that he has some sort of healing factor, which is uh, it's it's done pretty well. We're kind of learning it as we go. Mm-hmm. And at some point, Carol Hines says, uh, well, I don't know how important this is. Seems silly, but Mr. Logan's hair has almost entirely grown back in just 20 minutes. And uh, you kind of look back through the panels and you see that the hair has been growing back slowly. Yes. Just kind of a neat detail that I hadn't even noticed until she said it. Yep. Didn't you say that Logan was hurt last night? Yes. Then where are his wounds? So the professor, I guess, doesn't even know at this point that Wolverine's a mutant. No, he definitely doesn't because he leaves the room to go make a phone call, which I believe takes us into the next issue. Um, And we get this phone call. In the next issue where he is talking to a mysterious uh, other person who is the actual source of the uh, project, I suppose. We never learn who this person is. We don't. We do learn that the professor doesn't, doesn't, didn't know that Logan was a mutant, but apparently this person uh, behind the whole thing did, and there's things that are not being told the, the professor the we get a little bit about the professor's character about how he is super embarrassed by this he wants to have total control over this project but he feels like if he doesn't know everything his subordinates are going to question him he doesn't want that 
It's a very uptight guy. The opening of this third part of Weapon X, uh, I, I want to say, is like the uh, peak Barry Windsor Smith. You got Wolverine just laying amongst all of these cables and cords and all these boxes or, or, or buttons or flashing lights in the back. So much detail, uh, but the detail doesn't detract from the subject, which is Logan. It's it's great. Yeah, the art of all of the characters is consistent and well done. And oh, this is just like, I feel like this is what happens when you give somebody time to take their time yeah. to tell their story, to to figure it out. You end up with something good, whereas he probably had this whole thing finished before Marvel Comics Presents number 72 came out. Right, but it 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 takes place over the span. I mean, it was released over the span of probably six months, I would guess, maybe five yeah. months. But yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he only needs to turn in three pages every two weeks. Uh, obviously, they're not turning him in as they're publishing them. So this if, story probably... I, I think that my feeling is that he did this whole, like he said, I'm going to do a Weapon X story. And they were like, go ahead and do it. And he was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to turn it in when it's done. Or I'll, I'll, you know, when it's done, I'll turn in particular pages. But it feels like to me that he did everything beforehand yeah because it's continuous it, it continues to flow um there, there doesn't seem to be any kind of breaks that we've talked about with marvel comics presents where you know you get eight pages of a story that just feels like they're filling in they don't eight writing eight page stories is difficult right this doesn't feel like an eight page story ever this feels like a 125 page story that was completed well before they started publishing right and it's not padded out um but i will say every nine pages there is a cliffhanger and so that no no absolutely they, yeah. they he totally wrote it into the formula yeah but it if you don't have the issues you don't even notice that exactly right and that was the biggest complaint about marvel comics presents up until now is that it seemed like Every like part two, the first two pages would be a rehash of what happened in part one. Part three, the first two pages would be a rehash of what happened in part one and part two. And you're like, okay, come on. <laughs> where there's no rehashing here whatsoever. We just pick right up where we left off. Um, and sometimes we pick up a couple months from where we left off, but it never it never feels like uh, an eight page. It never feels like eight pages of a story. It feels like a continuous whole narrative, which we haven't gotten anything like that so far right. in Barry, Marvel Comics Presents. Barry Windsor Smith, I think, trusts his audience to be able to keep up, which is nice. Maybe the very first Wolverine story by Chris Claremont, issues one through ten, but I don't even think that one was. I think that had filler, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember them, so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so so uh, the professor comes back and he says, uh, yeah, Logan's a mutant. Yeah, some kind of superhuman power to regenerate damaged tissue. He could be immortal. I totally knew that the whole time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm totally in control. It looks like he's kind of got sweat beads on his nose and his, his mustache. He's definitely sort of, ooh, this is going a little out of control. I thought this was my project, but uh, okay, let me, let me, yep, this is mine. I knew this. I knew all of this. Trust me, everybody. So we cut forward to a scene. So we're still cutting back and forth with Logan in the tube, and now Logan inside of a room. Um, and someone who has yellow text uh, is communicating 
with Dr. Cornelius and saying he he just woke up. And that's the picture that you were referring to where he was just kind of sitting in a room filled with wires and buttons. And uh, this person, apparently it's his first day on the job. And Dr. Cornelius is unable to get a hold of the professor or, or something. They get split up at some point. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the person who is monitoring Logan is now connected to the professor. And he says, Professor, uh, this is what's happening. Oh, my God. Something's coming out of his hands. Right. And uh, there's like just graphic depiction of blood splattering out of his uh, hands, which is pretty gory, pretty neat. That's where his claws essentially would come out. Yeah, earlier they talk about there being a big buildup of um, adamantium in his wrists. Oh, yeah, we should definitely cover that. He says, uh, where is that? It's on page four of nine. That's not helpful at all. (laughs) Sorry. Let me see. Mathematically, that's page 12. Okay. Hand and wrist. Plain English, Miss Hines at the flexor previous minima digitus section wait channel sufficient doctor but there's an excess drain at um and we find out it's it's his wrists so yeah we don't it's very unclear what is happening that there just seems to be an excess adamantium buildup in his hands right now we could postulate that that's because he has bone claws that we don't know about or we could just say that this is the origin of his claws and they just happened to be a happy accident. Right. And there there weren't bone claws there. So, I mean, it doesn't break anything. Nope. It's kind of mysterious enough that, you know, it doesn't tell us any sort of – it's kind of an interesting idea that his claws were just sort of an accident. Yeah, and that's the way – I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like that's the way it was intended to be read is that – uh, some mistake, maybe the healing factor, maybe the fact that he's a mutant, uh, caused this excess buildup in his wrists that turned out to be basically sharpened knives, as they'll call them here. But then there's a lot more in the story about like all the problems that these claws end up causing and, and how they have to deal with, uh, you know, it's just like bursting out of his hands, causing the blood that you, you talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, there's, they're sort of uncontrollable, like they all just come out. Uh, and they're like, well, let's, let's work with this. And then they build in the ability to uh, manipulate them independently. Uh, they really go into depth. And I'm, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but they really go into depth about like the mechanics of how they work, which we haven't really talked about or, or none of the writers have talked about up until now. Yeah, there's a neat detail later where they kind of talk about the housing. Yep. Which is, which is neat. Sort of the origin of the housing. Yeah, and they had to sort of pivot because – uh, arguably in this story, they think anyways, it's a mistake. I guess it doesn't really matter, bones or not bones. These characters think that the buildup in his wrists are a mistake, but they're like, hey, we can opportunistically use this, uh, but we're going to have to troubleshoot a little bit. We're going to have to put these additional housings in there so he has a little bit more control over them. Yeah. So it's neat. It's really well thought out. So back to the uh, room that Wolverine's, or I guess Logan's, uh Blood is coming out of his hand. Someone is watching him. He's like, oh, he must be in terrible pain. Should I go in? And the professor's like, no, no, not yet. Just keep keep me posted. What's going on? And he's got a visual of what's going on. And the God, he's got spikes coming out of him, right out of his hands. What shall I do? And then the professor says, why don't you go in there and help him out? I bet he's in pain. And you know the professor knows what's going to happen. Yeah, he's uh, he's absolutely – 
He's plotting. He'll do this a lot throughout the series. Like, he basically wants to see what can we get out of this experiment X. And yeah, the new guy goes in there to help him out, and Logan kills him. Yeah. Because at this point, he's just kind of a mindless, uncontrollable creature with now claws. And the professor just wanted to see if that's what would happen. So it's basically an experiment on top of the experiment. He's like, why don't you go in there and help him out and make sure you close the door behind you just to be safe. Good yep. lad. Yep. And he ends up killing the guy. Cornelius discovers. He's like, oh, my God, what happened here? Murdered What's happened him. to him? He's murdered the boy, covered in blood. Those knives from his hands. He looks like a mad animal. And you get to the professor who is witnessing this whole thing. And he says to himself, magnificent. Yeah, he cuts off. He's listening to all of this. Looks like claws. Kids are real mess. Too late for that. Too late for anything. And then he clicks the thing off. He doesn't want to hear anymore. And he's like, yep, that was a great test. Magnificent, as you say. He looks very proud of himself here. What a cool killing machine that I have developed. Which takes was, this us, the, was at the end of another issue. Yep, that takes us to issue number 75, where the professor meets up with Cornelius and this is the point where he's like, yeah, you know, he's he's totally he's totally a mutant and you got to trust me. And Cornelius is kind of like, you should really tell me what's happening here. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be kept in the dark. Seems like I've helped you to create a monster. We see that Logan, uh, after he had killed that uh, guards, he burst through the window and came after Cornelius and the guards, but then kind of fell unconscious because he was disconnected from his life support. Right. And then the terrible knives schlucked back into his body. No snicked here. It's all schlucks and other various noises. Those terrible noise sunk back into his body. Cornelius says he wants to notify the police and the professor says, no, we don't, we don't need to do that. And we'll, we'll compensate the boy's relatives. We'll make sure they're secured. Let us say, uh, I feel like you must be a little estranged from me right now, and I just want to, I just want to tell you more. But I need your absolute trust. And Cornelius is like, well, he knows he's gotten into something that's a little over his head, but he's like, okay, I trust you. Right. And that's when he says, uh, Logan is a mutant. He's homo superior, and uh, Cornelius doesn't appear to really know what a mutant is. Right. I don't know that, other than the fact that. Uh, Cornelius has escaped the FBI and is hiding out in Canada. I don't know that we really have any other motivations except maybe an assumed financial payout from this whole experiment. I don't even yeah. think that's mentioned. So he's we we know that he's sort of a sketchy character. We know that he is uh, he thinks he does good, but he does it in such a way that is clearly outside of the law. He's a and as you go through this, he's somewhat sympathetic of a character. Yeah, um, yeah he grows to be sympathetic. Although not as much as Heinz. Heinz is your well, ultimate sure. sympathetic character. Sure. So, yeah, and then they end up type, uh, tying Wolverine up, uh, binding him uh, after he's busted through the glass with all the cables and cords uh, to try to secure him. Uh, Professor, the experiment, the adamantium bonding process, are you saying it mutated Logan into this infernal thing? The professor says, no, you must understand this infernal thing is what Logan has always been. A determinedly violent individual pummeling his way through a purposeless life, one day distinguished from the next only by the changing patterns of bruises and blood from last night's drunken fights, but then inexplicably the wounds are healed and gone before Logan, before noon and his first beer. I doubt if he even suffered hangovers. 
And this is, I think, just kind of reiterating what we saw in that prologue of Logan just kind of going through his day, getting into fights, getting yep. cuts, waking up the next day, not really remembering what happened. But not done in a clumsy way. No, absolutely. It's it's not a rehashing. It's these characters are now realizing this and are now sharing that information amongst each other. And it's also happening in part five or wherever we are at this point. <laughs> so it's not like, yeah, it's not a hackneyed uh, rehash. All the year, all his years, Logan has suffered this, suffering a tiny, suffering a destiny that tore him from his guts outward, battling a fate decreed him by nature. He became a government agent, so he was a government agent, and was ideally suited to the danger of the work. He had nothing to lose, not even his godforsaken life, shot, stabbed, beaten in the course of duty, recklessly seeking the honor of dying for his country, how pitifully desperate he must have become. But now his demon is free, released by the intervention intervention of Experiment X. Cornelius mentions the knives in his hand, pure adamantium, the professor says. Haven't you heard what I've been saying? They're not knives, Cornelius. They're claws. Again, uh, is that happenstance, a mistake, or, or is this bonded to bone claws that they never mention? Which is fine. Both of those are fine. Logan, who is in the room with them, uh, wakes up and they immediately gas him because they're terrified of him. We need gas now. Lab five. Haste, haste. And uh, apparently it is some sort of burning gas because he wakes up and he's all uh, kind of, I don't know, tortured a little bit. Cornelius is like, oh, my God, he covers his eyes. And then we see sort of a I wouldn't even say it's charred remains, but I mean, he's definitely on. He's got some flames on him. He's passed back out. Can't we treat him better than this, says Cornelius? He's still human in some way, isn't he? And the professor says, in some way, but your description before was more apt. A mindless murdering animal, I believe you said. <laughs> yep. So the the professor is trying to convince Cornelius that Logan is not a man. He is an animal to be controlled and manipulated. And this kind of gets us into act two, right? Because he's like, Logan must be restructured now, trained, then programmed. All You can do all of this. Um and that's this is maybe arguably the one issue that doesn't have a cliffhanger because it kind of just ends at this page here. Uh, manipulation of the mindless Dr. Cornelius. It is your calling. Uh, but it also sort of ends uh, uh, part one and gets us into part two or the second act, if you will. So we cut over to Heinz and Cornelius and the professor uh, kind of. And what are they? What are they doing? Is oh, is this the they they saw that there was? Is this where they saw that some of the bones were uh, causing him pain because of they because of the way that they were uh, the adamantium is like spiraling off of the bones, and at some point they they start chiseling that down. I thought, but maybe this isn't that. Yeah. Well, Wolverine is uh, Logan is tied down with a bunch of wires, and they are. Uh, showing the professor that they have kind of a limited control device that they have. And the professor speaks into it immediately. He's like, Logan, you are in my control, Logan. And he's like, yeah, I like that, but you shouldn't lose, use his former name. So we're trying to eradicate that stuff. And he's like, oh, yes, quite so. And they talk about how they, they've programmed his, the, uh, the wires and such to override his body functions so that you can, they can shut manipulate down. how he moves. And we see the professor saying, you have one master, and it is me. You will do anything I say. And uh, Heinz and Cornelius look over at the professor and say, uh, Professor, uh, we, haven't, we haven't begun yet, sir. The machine isn't on. And they just kind of smiled to themselves. 
But I also think that this is setting up the um, uh, the the professor does not have the um, what's what I'm looking for. Um, oh shoot, he's not confident. He doesn't have the self confidence to to realize that he's he is completely under control. So I think this whole page here, where because immediately he's like, "You're under my control. You are under my control, Logan. You're under my control. You'll do anything. <laughs> I'm your master." So I think it's like, yeah, if I can just kind of see this now, like whatever that other voice is, or that other other person I've been talking to on the phone, like I'll be the one. I'm the one that's important here. And then these right. two are just like, "Yeah, it's not on yet." <laughs> and you can see he's like, <clears throat> "All right, well then, get on with it." I think it's really well done. Really well done. There is an overload in the lab, um, and uh, we so there's there they introduced this uh, visual screen that when you are communicating with Logan, uh, you will see it's it's kind of very sci-fi-ish where you kind of see uh, a visual representation of uh, I I don't know how this works but it's very silly so we end up seeing what Wolverine kind of feels which is a skeleton that is screaming out pain and it's got spikes coming out of its eyeballs and its skull. That's what have you done to me? So it's this weird kind of visualization on the screen of kind of a nightmare. Yeah. And this is also, it's overloading the machine. So he's connected up to all these wires and uh, subconsciously he's projecting this feeling to the computer. And I guess the computer is able to translate that into uh, the imagery that that you just described, but yeah, I mean, it, it looks painful, right? He's got a skeleton there that just has like all these spikes protruding through it. Yeah, Logan wakes up and grabs Hines by the neck and says, "You pain to me." And uh, Cornelius calls for security, and the professor starts talking into his uh, control device and says, "Leave that girl, you animal. This is your master. You are a beast in my control. Mm-hmm. You have no will but to serve me." And uh, Logan tosses aside Heinz and goes after the professor. And that's when security shows up, starts shooting him, knocking him down. And as a reminder, Heinz is sort of the smaller, frail sort of scientist lady. She doesn't get much to do in the first act. Uh, I mean, she's going to be important, but it's sort of easy to forget her. So that's she's she's a woman in the midst of all of these men. So I find it pretty easy to remember her. Wolverine, uh, Logan gets knocked out and the professor having now been threatened by Wolverine is like, we must kill him. We must kill Logan. Now he's a wild animal. We can't control him. And Cornelius now has to talk him down. I feel like Heinz has an interesting character design where not only is she uh short, thin, gen- in general, small, uh, but she's got a very non-traditional haircut. Kind of a kind she's of a got short hair, short hair, kind of like a bowl cut type thing, um, and I'm sure that's done on purpose. But it almost kind of gives her maybe like a childlike appearance. I'm not sure that if that was the intention. Don't know. Don't know either. But you know, in comics, right? When you draw your lady, you usually give her hair, like long hair. Um, well, you're right. She is. She is. I guess to your point, a not a traditional comics lady. Right. She is a traditional real life lady. Right. So, so yeah. But I think definitely. that's done intentionally and not just like I'm progressive and not drawing a sexy babe scientist. I'm drawing a real woman. I feel like somehow that, that plays into maybe Logan's sympathies later on in the story. But I could be wrong. We see uh, a kind of shocking revelation after Logan is uh, knocked unconscious that we the, the, the visuals are still connected to his psyche and what he sees 
as his claws slowly involuntarily come out of his body with a schlick, the professor stabbed through the face with the claws. Yeah. And uh, you would think after this that, you know, the professor would be like, okay, yeah, I'm scared. He does. Prior to all of that, he's like, kill him. We must kill Logan now. He's a wild animal. We cannot control him. And this whole issue has been about... And then then I guess that's what I mean is like after that and then after seeing this thing on the screen, I think the professor would not want... I have nothing to do with this. But by the next issue, we've... He's he's been talked down and he's back into the program. Yep. So he's got a little bit of stomach. He knows that (laughs) Logan is... uh, Wants to kill him specifically. Yeah. So the professor sort of looks down. He's sort of shocked. Cornelius is like, let's let's turn those monitors off. <laughs> and that ends that chapter, which takes us to issue 77. Which is the first test of uh, Weapon X in the field, as it were, sort of. The He starts out with a bunch of wires, and they disconnect all of the wires to reveal that he is in the middle of the wilderness. Uh in the winter, naked, surrounded by cameras. Um, they have covered him in sheep's blood, I guess, because they're going to send a pack of wolves after him. And the test is to see whether or not he will slaughter the wolves, which initially he does not do. He lets, he kind of closes his eyes and just doesn't react and lets the wolves take over him. And it, it's, a, it's a nice little touch. Like, it's kind of like, uh, Logan is like, I'm just gonna let the wolves kill me. Like I'm, I'm being tortured to death. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm gonna let the wolves take me. But it, eventually, he gets to the point where his, I'm assuming this is, this is his berserker rage, where he gets past the point of being able to turn around and let the wolves do what they were gonna do, and he ends up slaughtering them. I don't know about that because I think. They talk about everything prior to that. They're putting him in. He's naked. He's outside. uh, And and he's just standing there because they haven't allowed him to do anything. And they're like, should we be doing this? It's really cold out there. He's going to freeze to death. He's covered. He's going to get destroyed. And then uh, somebody says, uh, uh, wait, it's coming through. The epinephrine is rising 86 to 90 percent. He's fighting back. So it's like, I feel like. They've sent the command now to Logan to fight back. And then, yes, he goes into his berserker rage and takes care. But I think the reason he's not fighting back. I don't think they're sending anything through. I think they're just monitoring what he's feeling. Because, like, at first, they're like, do you have data for me? Everything everything reads. Like, he knows the wolves are coming. He's just not reacting. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're allowing Logan his opportunity to do what he does um, and his choice is to let the wolves kill him. That was my take on it, at least. Yeah, I don't know. One of the two, but he eventually does go into his berserker rage, starts slaughtering all of the animals. Uh, Heinz is like, hey, can we stop this? And the professor's like, no. <laughs> he does He does scream, and someone, uh, the professor says, listen to that feral roll, the bloodless gentlemen, we have succeeded. And Cornelius says, I, I don't think that sound is bloodlust, professor. I think it's pain. And the professor's like, whatever, sounds great. Yeah. He does slaughter it, uh, continue slaughtering the animals, and Heinz does step in, as you said, and says, can we stop it now, save the animals? And the professor's like, no, let the animals save themselves. I'm enjoying this far too much. 
And after he kills all of the animals, uh, the professor's like, can we send in any more dogs? And Heinz is like, no, we don't have any more. Then we get a little bit of information around his claws uh, and the pain that it's causing him. This is where we get uh, some of the distortions in how it's been extruded on the bones. And then they say, yeah, well, we'll look into this and sort of a neat detail. So you can see kind of a that the there are extensions coming off of bones into other bones. So the adamantium apparently is uh, probably causing him a little bit of extra pain. Yeah. And it's not as refined as I think we've been led to believe. And maybe they start shaving it off later to get that refinement. I feel like they do. But then again, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. They could also just be updating the... Uh, the, the stuff that we talked about before, the houses for his claws. Uh, there is a scene where they're working on his wrist, and they might be doing one or the other thing. Uh, Wolverine, or Logan, ro- roars like an animal, and the professor's like, ah, and you thought it was just pain that made him cry out. No, the wolves would kill for food or territory, but this man is a living, living weapon. His passion is the fear of his prey and to find relish in the odor of the blood. And I think this is just... The professor just getting it all wrong. He's making it up. He's like, I am in control. I know exactly what's happening. And it's all this stuff that I just made up. Yeah. Uh, but he, then he goes on to say, in our service, of course, you can turn him off now, doctor. And that's when he falls to his knees. So that's this sort of is what led me to believe that they were sending him signals that weren't getting through. And I don't know what epinephrine is, but I just kind of assume that they were in control of of whatever that was to sort of activate him because I feel like the whole point of this story is can we activate him and can we shut him down and they do shut him down uh, and they send the wranglers out to go get him Um, in the next chapter we'll find out that it doesn't work very well but that's what made me think that they're they're trying to be in control of him yeah uh, they shut him down and he just completely collapses so I don't know I mean I think when he switched on they want to give him some I think my my impression was that they wanted to see what he would do. Whether right. or not they take control of him at the point where he doesn't do what they want him to do, that's that's up for debate. Um, once they turn him off, they do. He does fall completely unconscious, so he is he definitely has some sort of uh, life support being handled by them for sure. They decide to the professor decides to leave him overnight in the pile of wolves. Right. And then the uh, the next morning, the Wranglers come and grab him. And they say, we have many more trials for Weapon X. And so here they start, this chapter anyways, they'll start talking about the range. How far can we control him from? So I think a lot of this whole section is they don't have control. They're trying to make up the fact that they have control. But we open this chapter up with them sort of working on the whole claw issue. Yeah, you see a little... Uh kind of I don't I don't want to say bandages but threads where his claws come out and we there's little metal rods kind of poking into them kind of trying to keep them open so that they can work for him we cut to a wider shot where we have a couple of technicians working in each of his wrists and they're having difficulty uh, keeping the incisions open because they continue to heal over themselves and uh, so, so I got the impression that they were kind of chiseling away some of the, the spikes that they saw in that magnification. But 
I don't I'm know. not sure if that's entirely true. I think what they're just doing here is building housing for yeah, the claws. Exactly. Earlier, though, the, this that for the the panel where they're talking, the the uh, incisions are there, the the stitching and the metals going into his uh, hands. They're talking about the radius and how they yeah. built a device. And it gives them about a three-mile radius, but the professor wants a 10-mile radius. And they're like, all right, well, we'll work on it. Uh, and then they start working on the, the claw housing. And the professor has some designs that he wants them to approach that uh, will give him that 10-mile radius. But they're like, it's batteries. It's, it's going to be, be tough. super heavy. He's like, I don't care. He'll be fine. He's in our control. Wolverine, or Logan, starts coming around. And uh, we cut to a later point where we have battery packs attached to him um, where they now have a little over nine mile radius with these battery packs. And then I guess there's also a helmet that will allow for uh, a little extra control. 150 yards will need the helmet device to pull in the signal. So it's kind of a, a wide shot of Wolverine. Uh, I guess he is he sitting in something must be sitting in something. He's in like a. He, yeah, he's, there's like armrests and stuff. He's in a chair. He's got a, at least one battery pack in his lap. Uh, looks like another battery pack behind him. Uh, and then the helmet is on the floor. They're also talking about like how this is sort of like a prototype and they'll they'll work on re- shrinking everything later. But for now, they just have to like get this done. And it very much has that feel of like, yeah, on day one, we haven't worked on miniaturizing any of this stuff. So it's just cables and cords and big boxes and yeah. things sort of like just patchworked put together. And they're like, okay, <laughs> we've got our system here. We'll, we'll roll with this and we'll figure it out later. They also have control over his claws. They're like, all right, we'll push this button. And look, this claw comes out. Push this other button and this other claw comes out. But I think they're all still like, yeah, there's all this blood still happening every time he uh, pops his claws out. we got to work on that. You got full articulation on the claws, says somebody, which, I don't know, feels like a uh, toy company line. <laughs> articulation is a proper word. No, I, I know, but it's like uh, toy, toys are always talking about fully articulated. So it's kind of like they're playing with a toy. 20 points of articulation. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to look at it. Sure. Uh, and the professor's like, I, I don't need instructions on how to operate my devices. See, watch, I can do this. And he starts working the controls and, and Logan stands up, but then he falls down and everybody just starts laughing at him. Weapon X, he like walkies and everybody starts <laughs> laughing and the professor flips out. Shut up, blast all of you. Cornelius, your staff and fools are ignoramuses. And some guy's like, eh, long word, eh? And they start laughing at that. Yeah. And Cornelius asked them to leave, and the professor's like, I've never been so insulted. So the professor's a super sensitive guy. I also get the feeling that this is probably like a very stressful work environment. They're doing this crazy project, experimenting on this guy, doing oh, all sure, these sure. wild yeah. things. And sort of this moment of levity occurs where the professor's like, well, let's let me test this out. And then he falls over and it sort of cuts the tension of the office workers and they laugh. Now, it's drawn such that they're like laughing at him. You get all these ha ha ha's in the background. And I think that's more the professor's perspective of, oh, they're all laughing at me. I don't have the control because he doesn't have that self-confidence that he's trying to project. Um, So I imagine and there's nothing in the text here to indicate that that this is really like 
oh my gosh, we, we really needed this laugh. Everybody's just kind of chuckling a bit, but in his mind, they're just they're just laughing at him. Then he freaks out. He's like, get them all out of here. I like it. That's a good take. I don't know if it's the right one, but I'd like to to translate it as such. What say we call it a day, says Cornelius, and Frost is like, no, the experiment isn't over. I want. To, I have to know that it's safe. He's safe. He's wired and shut down. Let it go. He says, well, spit in his eye then. I, I'm I'm done. I'm a, I'm done for the day. Yep. Logan's laying on the ground. And then we get this sh- shot of Cornelius, or uh, not Cornelius, the professor spills his coffee, pr- presumably piping hot coffee, on Logan's face and nothing happens. And the professor just kind of stares at him. And we get a close-up of Logan's eye as the coffee kind of drips down his into his uh, his eyelid. And this is neat. I don't know if it's set up in this issue, but in an earlier issue, you've got Cornelius, not Cornelius, but the professor sort of uh, giving instructions. Hey, where's my coffee? Giving more instructions. Is that coffee ready yet? Giving more instructions. Ah, there's my coffee. I don't think it's in this issue. I think it was something we skipped in a previous issue. Yeah, that was Cornelius. Was it Cornelius that was wanting the coffee? Yeah, Wasn't it was the professor? Cornelius looking okay. for his coffee. Either way, it's sort of a, a neat setup that like coffee is in play here. And it doesn't just kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, and it's it's powerful, right? He dumps the coffee in Logan's eye, and Logan has no reaction. And actually, looking back, it's Cornelius's coffee that Cornelius gives the professor his coffee. Yeah. So, so it's good, here. I have this. Let's say we call it a day. Yeah, it's a good setup and payoff on the whole coffee thing. And I don't think it happened in this issue. I think it was one of the previous issues. Yeah, no, it was like issue two or the, the second or third. Not saying it's the same cup of coffee, but just establishing. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> a character likes coffee. It's been it's been probably months. Would reason would reasonably have this coffee. Um, so I like little details like that. So the next issue, issue number seventy nine, the cover of this, uh, only cover I'm going to talk about is the Wolverine with his claws and the helmet. Uh, sort of what they were trying to go for in was it X Men Apocalypse? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Which good for them for trying. The only it, scene in that it movie that I liked. It comes off very silly in real life. At least I thought that scene was stupid. I loved but, it. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I, it was probably the best scene of the movie. It's the only, it's the only it scene I remember. Stupid. <laughs> I didn't think it was stupid. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> uh, we cut to inside of the issue and we get to see the full Wolverine. He's got three battery packs hanging off of his kind of uh, waist and he's got the helmet on. And we are still in the dead of winter. There's several cameras out and we are uh, doing yet another test of Wolverine. He's downwind. He has the scent. Claw extrusion. Right hand. He pops his claws. Shunk. We still need some kind of terminals there. Something to keep the flesh apart. Make a note, Heinz. Yeah. So we get that whole terminal sort of thing. I'm curious. Why don't they give him some underwear? I feel bad for him. It's probably the professor is like, he doesn't need underwear. He's an animal. We will treat him as such, not give him the dignity of clothing. Does he have underwear in X-Men Apocalypse? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I don't remember. He probably does. I Those mean, cheaters. It's Well, I, I, I feel like Hugh Jackman is the kind of guy that's like, I'll get naked. <laughs> I'm probably. 50. Have you seen what I look like? <laughs> um, but anyway, I don't remember. So, yeah, it's a bear. He guts the bear, cuts the bear's head off. It's a, it's a great success. Superb. Bravo. 21 seconds. An utterly impeccable killing. The weapon is primed and perfect. 
Yeah, that was pretty hot stuff, Professor, but I don't know. The helmet, it's cumbersome. It cuts his vision 30% both sides. The battery packs, they're nearly 10 pounds apiece. Everything's so clunky and in the way. It's not optimum. It's not what we planned. Shall I retract his claws, Doctor? Yeah, I guess so. Go ahead, Heinz. Can we get a we get a schluck or a shuck? One of the two. It's not a snicked. But we do have the weapon in control, Doctor. That is what we planned. Oh, no. Bring Logan in, boys. The... Uh, just as that Cornelius wants to do a little more test work and the professor is like, nope, we're, we're ready. We're, go- we're going into action. And, uh, the Cornelius says for what? <laughs> <laughs> right. To eliminate. Uh, yeah, we're ready. What is the greatest dangerous game of all? And the Cornelius thinks about it and says a uh, pinkle tiger with a stick up. It's man, of course, man. Interrupts and says, man, of course, man. It's like, well, we don't have any of those in stock right now. It's like, well, we'll have to get some. You're not serious, are you? Now Cornelius is kind of like, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. This, is, this isn't what I signed up for. And he said, yeah, the professor like, I'm deadly serious. Cornelius is like, do you know what you're saying? Like, I, I, I'm not cool with this. He reaches for something. I'll be in my control room. But, oh, I guess he's just kind of reaching out to the professor to be like, wait, I... I'm not done with, we're not done with this conversation, are we? Yeah. We're not really going to go find a man, are we? Heinz and Cornelius kind of have a moment where she says, you know, whatever you do, Cornelius, I will support you. Mm-hmm. So I think she has decided that Cornelius is a good man and she is willing to, the undertext is that she's willing, like if they were going to go against the professor, she's got his back. Right. I like the sound of this. First, I'm told we're creating a super soldier. Now we're doing this. It's like some kind of assassin. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Wolverine, uh, sorry, Logan, we get our first snicked. We um, do. Is uh, killing whatever guards led him away from that, that bear situation. The alarm goes off. He's he's back in the building. He's yeah. He's been seated in the building. They took the helmet off. They left the batteries on. But I guess as they're sort of wrapping up, um, whatever process they have for putting Logan away, Wolverine pops his claws, and uh, yeah, in, interspersed with the conversation you just talked about about the support, Logan kills all these guards. And Cornelius immediately assumes that it's the professor doing the test that he was just talking about, where Wolverine would be challenging, man, yeah. killing men, and. The professor's like, what? No, this is not my doing. I'm not in control. Not in control. That ends that chapter and takes us to issue number 80. See, these chapter breaks are weird because like for me, that going to the next one is like there. there is no chapter break there. Yeah, because it's, it's kind of it's it's I don't know. I think that's it's really cool to read this without having to jump in between different issues right well without even knowing where your chapter breaks are but i mean yeah like the action just flows so naturally from the panel we just talked about to this next panel where logan's running through the hallways killing everybody we got three men down can we shoot of course man shoot what happened to your failsafe professor it isn't working i tell you the professor's trying to use his system but it's apparently down i've no control over logan then who does yes who does indeed and the professor Makes a phone call as Wolver, uh, Logan is continuing to kill guards, um, but he forget this time he forgets to turn off the communication to the lab that he is connected to with Cornelius and Heinz. So they overhear him 
calling and saying, uh, are you aware of what's happening at this time? Experiment X is out of my control and uh, killing everyone in sight. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that you see Logan is fully harnessed and my control panels are inactive. And uh, what I really like about this, though, is all the dialogue here paints the picture of um, chaos. You've got Heinz and Cornelius having a conversation. You've got everybody over the radio saying, we're going to need artillery. We we need to call out, you know, more equipment. And then you've got the professor sort of calmly speaking to whoever he's speaking of, like, well, you see, um, that's just the thing. Uh, he's, uh, I, I'm not in control. And, uh, but, but then you've got all these things happening and I'm just imagining the movie, right? It's, it's like, uh, if you remember aliens, of course, right? When the alien is chasing them and you, you have all these conversations, I got to make this plan. I got to do this. And then you got the people in the tunnels and they're like radioing back for help or just trying to describe what's happening. Uh, and you get sort of that, I don't know, f- uh, frenzied uh, feeling just even from the dialogue, which is why I think this would make a, these things would make really good scenes in a movie. Marvel, if you're listening, <laughs> and they are start with weapon X. Yeah, there you go. Boom. You got mutants. Don't even do X-Men. Just do weapon X. Uh, yeah, so the professor continues his conversations. Uh, Cornelius is like, hey, uh, uh, professor, who are you talking to? And the professor, I guess, has it's a, like a one-way transmit. He can't hear Cornelius. So Heinz discovers that uh, Logan is heading towards the professor, and it's not a coincidence. She, he has pretty much made a beeline since he started for wherever the professor is. And Cornelius is like, well, how would he know where the professor is? Right. And she says, well, he's, he's shown uncanny tracking abilities. And it's like, so, you know, still, they don't know some stuff about, about Logan. Right. Um, basically the professor learns that he's being thrown under the bus as a test subject. He doesn't realize that right away. What, what he's getting is like, ah, I see, I see. So we're, uh, we're going to do a clean sweep. We're going to take care of all the people, witnesses. And I think at this point, he sort of assumes that, like, well, I'll, I'll be spared, of course, because I'm I'm the important element here. Should I leave now or should I refuge here? Well, as you put it, Weapon X clears the Deadwood. Yeah. And then I think in later issues, he's like, I'm the Deadwood. <laughs> well, I think it's the very next chapter because he says, I didn't hear you. There's a and then Wolverine bursts through or Logan bursts through the floor into the professor's office or whatever yeah and that's when i think he realizes oh i'm i guess i'm also part of the deadwood we don't see that yet but we'll he'll acknowledge that here in a moment the security we see the security team rushing through the halls towards the professor's uh office they break into the office and discover that the professor is there and his hand has been cut off um, kill him. My hand destroy weapon X. I can't see where are my glasses and somebody gets him his glasses and we cut to a wide panel of Wolverine tossing somebody up in the air. Or sorry, Logan tossing somebody up in the air. Adam. And he's just slicing through those bodies underneath him. That's the beginning of issue number 81. Is that where that one starts? <laughs> yeah. That, that full, that full shot. Just, just underscoring once again, that it's just naturally flowing through this. Yeah. I don't even know where the cuts are anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it kind of cuts, I think, at uh, where he's like, my hand, we have to kill him. And that's when we cut to Lo- uh, Logan just throwing bodies all over the place. This is a massacre, shouts somebody as they're going, a bloody massacre. 
Somebody's pulling the professor away. He's bleeding all over the place. Hines tries to give him a tourniquet. They want to take him to the uh, the meta meta lab or whatever, but the professor's like, no. We need to go to uh, the reactor, the adamantium reactor hold. Yeah. It's the only safe place from Weapon X. Is the plan to be safe from Weapon X or to lure him in there to throw him into the adamantium? Well, we, as we learn, the, the plan that the professor is not sharing with Cornelius or uh, Hines oh, is yeah, yeah, eventually yeah, yeah. to lead him into the adamantium fissure containment thing that will presumably destroy right. Wolverine. Um it's not entirely clear right away. Yeah. But the, the first thing he does is he has Heinz pick up a gun and give it to Cornelius. And they're going to try to shoot the batteries off of Logan, which should, in theory, shut him down. Mm-hmm. Um, Cornelius is like, I don't know how to use a gun. And this is when the compressor says, I am considered dead wood. Right. Uh, the system is not down. It's in the control of another. Yeah, for who? It's not your place to know that, Cornelius. You got some gall. Ooh, ooh. You're bleeding buckets. So they, then they wrap up his, his severed hand. Logan, meanwhile, is on his way towards them, still tracking after the professor. Um, he is... The professor attempts to contact the higher-ups. Says, are you surprised Logan didn't kill me? Why are you doing this to me? I'm not part of the rabble. You must know that. Answer me, please. This is the professor. Please respond. God, oh God, I, I beg you, please answer. Don't let me die here. And Cornelius says, I can use this gun. I, I can. Yeah. I can shoot the power packs off, just like you said. Wolverine is, or uh, Logan is breaking. I'm just going to say Wolverine from now on. <laughs> when I say Wolverine, I mean Logan. Yes. <laughs> He's breaking through the walls. Um. Uh, Power cuts out, and uh, Wolverine enters, I guess, through the ceiling because there's, like, blood dripping on the professor's head. Yeah. All burn up. Dead wood. Dead wood. Blow. Die. Die. And the uh, Logan is standing over the top of the professor and screaming. Rawr. That ends that chapter. Okay. <laughs> Just- Shoot him, says the professor. Uh the Cornelius doesn't immediately shoot. He's like, I don't know. I think he's had it. I mean, he's too weak. He's lost a lot of blood. And the press was like, that, that, that's not his blood. That's security guards. He's like, but he's not moving. And finally the professor hits Cornelius in the back of the head, shooting, launching him forward. And Cornelius says, damn, vam. What? <laughs> oh, oh, he's doing that command. Vok. Damn, vam, vam. Anyway, he shoots his gun. Oh, the gun says, duh, duh, duh. oh, yeah, whatever that sound effect is. I, I hit him. the I got sound him. effect Jeez. of a gun somehow. Yeah. But, okay. I'll, ta- I'll take it as what it is. He's still alive. This is incredible. He does shoot Logan several times and Logan falls down. Um, I get him. I got him. Jeez. The power, Cornelius. You have to get the power packs. Shoot away the receivers. And Cornelius, and this is just kind of, I mean, high adrenaline moment so i'll give him a break but he's like he's still alive that's incredible yep he's seen him be alive through so many things you'd think that cornelius would have smart enough to not approach logan at this point but again it's a high adrenaline situation i don't think he's seen him get shot with a machine gun though so that that would be surprising i think to anybody to see a human like they've shot him before Mm -hmm. like haven't the guards shot him at some point I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. 
But anyways, uh, Cornelius gets too close and Logan wakes up or gets up and uh, stabs him through the guts. Cornelius is dead. Oh, yeah. Heinz and the professor, they run away. Um, Heinz is like, we got to go back, right? Because we've already established that she's sort of sympathetic towards him. And the professor's like, no, he's dead already, stupid woman. Let's go. Get away from me. I couldn't help him even if I wanted to. But we have to get to the reactor. Yeah, so they make their way to the reactor. And they're going to purge the core. We could at least save the complex and labs and data records. Of course, Heinz, after all, what could be more important than the memory of Weapon X? Which feels like a reference to Wolverine not having any memory. But as we'll learn later, not necessarily. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so then we find out a little bit more about, like, why did the professor want... Well, the professor throws Heinz into the reactor and she says, uh, he's like, don't break your neck on the way down, um, using her as bait so that he can escape. Um, Logan will, in theory, go after Heinz. And while he's killing Heinz, he can push the button, I guess, and drop maybe the adamantium on his head. But at at this point, or maybe a little earlier, uh, Logan has started doing a little bit of narration. He he? He knows this man in a memory, a dream, a dream of dying. What color is his text? His text is white, but it doesn't have any um, doesn't have any arrows. Ah, I couldn't help him if I wanted to. I must get to the reactor. So that's him thinking. I know this man in a memory in a dream, a dream of dying, just like you said. Yep. And so after she falls into the reactor and Logan bursts through the, the door and heads towards Heinz, that's actually where this chapter ends. Oh. <laughs> Mr. Logan, she says... Uh, I don't know if you can understand me, sir. Good woman, beg. Or, good God, woman, don't beg. You are the, living the last few moments of your pointless existence. Don't waste them cowering and pleadless to a mindless animal. I can't stand physical pain. Please, please, I beg you, kill me quickly. And that's when Logan actually speaks. He's like, I, I understand. I understand you. So maybe enough of his healing factor has kicked in that, that he's regaining some of his senses. You don't matter to me. I want, and he looks up to the professor. The professor pulls the purge, which causes some sort of fire and explosion, um, almost definitely killing Heinz because we don't see her after this. Oh. Uh, Burning Logan's body. The professor calls his, uh, whoever's in control and says, this is the professor. Experiment X is destroyed. And, Ha, you treacherous son of a... And he slowly starts to realize that, wait, the, the, the purge chamber, the fire is diminishing. It's like, oh my God, yeah, you're controlling the fission gate, aren't you? Is there nothing you cannot do? He's still trying to uh, exert his control, right? I, mm. I am his destroyer. Do you hear me? I beat him. Yeah, and then he shuts down the... Or the mysterious person shuts down the reactor. A burnt and now hairless Logan with no battery packs or cables... Uh, bursts through yet another window into the control tower and starts speaking. Am I dead? Is this what you've done to me? I'm a walking dead man. The professor's you are like, You're an, an animal. I, I am Logan. Logan. I'm a man. And you are the animal. And he throws him into the panel. Uh, Logan pro- throws the professor into the panel. The professor calls for security, but we cut to a couple of shots where it's pretty obvious that all the security is dead. Logan cuts off the professor's other hand. Now we both got our paddles bollocks. Do you think that makes us even? Well, I don't. <laughs> then he stabs him through the head. Yeah. Now we're square. You got that chump? 
Snick, snick, snick. So he does it one claw at a time. And then we go to issue number 84, where Logan is holding the dead body of the professor, and we zoom in on that. He throws the body into the reactor. The reactor burns up. And then we get some whirs and some clicks and some veeps. Somebody says, uh, uh, Mr. Logan, I, I don't know if you can hear me. And this is all dialogue from the previous uh, couple of couple of issues. But Logan is, is waking up, and for some reason, the, the dialogue from previous things is playing. I don't know if it's in his head or if it's out loud. I'm going to guess. Think about the horror of it all, all that he's lost a lot of blood, dead wood. This is the this is a twenty five page um, final chapter, uh, so I feel like in a movie, right? This is he's come to his senses and now he's hearing like the echoes of all of that dialogue. Um, is how I sort of read it, and he's kind of walking around. He sees the severed hands. Well, he even responds to some of it. He's, "I can hear you, Logan is still alive. You bet. This is a joke, right?" So he's like, "I'm out of here." bloody massacre will be pal and uh, he pops his claws and that's when we see sort of those um iconic i don't know what you want to call them but uh metal housings kind of come out of his hands and then the claws come out of there which greatly reduces the amount of blood which is kind of a neat effect so that's what they'd been working on earlier when they were operating on his hands i'm logan i'm not an animal i'm a man i gotta get away and he starts running. He starts running, and then something's behind him, like a living shadow. And if it's if I slow down, it'll get me. I'm suffocating in it, and it's darkness. I won't be able to scream or yell because it's it'll be inside me, under my skin, and my guts, and inside my bones. And the idea is, he's talking about being a mutant, but he's also talking about the monster inside of Wolverine that we are familiar with. The beast, the berserker. And as he's running, the colors kind of go into sort of two-tone color, very dreamlike. Um, and he's got all this dialogue all over the place. And then he goes into a very cinematic four-panel uh, uh, wide-angle view of just all of these things that are happening. Spikes and uh, I, I think it's just kind of denoting his animalistic nature, the pain that he's gone through. And then uh, we hear a bunch of E's in the background. I don't know if those are sirens or what. Shot. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that is. An alarm system, maybe? Yeah. I, I'll i tell you what I think is happening once we get to the right point of the story. But So then the narration of the three people that just died returns. Is, right. It's extraordinary, is it not, Cornelius? A, cre- a creature of such tr- power, shaken by his own shadow, driven by fear of himself. Yeah, but he's pulling through despite it all. Exterior camera, Heinz. Switching. Yep. You think so? And then we cut to a... Bengal tiger. Is, is this a Bengal tiger? Yep. Or it's, no, it's a Siberian tiger. Oh, it's a tiger. snow leopard. Siberian tiger. Or Siberian tiger. tiger. Yeah. Uh, we could have set this up better. How do you mean, Doctor? If Logan had to seek it out, you know, just the thing, just based on instinct, to kill it or confront it or whatever, instead of the tiger just being there, I think it would have been more telling. So this is all dialogue that we've not heard before. This is all new dialogue. Yeah. Whereas everything we'd heard before mostly was sort of reiterations from issues past. So as a reader, you're wondering, is this is this a past thing that happened? Right. But as we continue, it is definitely not the past. Right. So all of those noises, all of those two-tone colors, all of the spikes and whatnot, I think is part of... He's in a dream state, basically. Yeah. All the stuff that we just saw, that whole horror element, which 
could come off as sort of cheesy and and uh, hackneyed. It doesn't. It, it, like, it all works. So He continues battling the Siberian tiger, and we get a bit more uh, detail about what has happened. And uh, Cornelius kind of spells it out. He's like, you underestimated your prize. Logan was set up. We gave him a chance to escape, but he didn't run. Instead, he turned around and brutalized a lot of us. And then we jammed his psyche with his fear of mutantism. Didn't phase him. I'd say he came through A1, wouldn't you? And yet he failed to kill Hines. So so the whole thing that we just saw uh, was in his, it was kind of a scenario set up in his mind, I guess. Exactly. It was a test, if you will. Yeah. An act of mercy that still leaves died on my mind. And Cornelius says, well, that's just because Hines was never a threat to Logan, Professor. It's just like, it's it's like we just proved he'll only kill if threatened with death or or out of hunger. Mm-hmm. Who'd want to eat Hines? <laughs> because she's a skinny, frail-looking girl. Hines if I says... May, if I may say, Doctor, I think Mr. Logan only killed you because of that accidental shooting, sir. I don't think he would have attacked you otherwise. <laughs> Cornelius is she, like, huh? She's still defending Cornelius. That right? Thanks, Heinz. Professor's like, hmph, meh. So, yeah, they're done with the test. Logan's killed the Siberian tiger. The handlers go out to go retrieve him. And uh, Logan kills them. <laughs> While the Cornelius, Heinz, and the professor are just kind of going over their notes and talking about what's They talk about on. how the professor made up all that stuff about somebody else, some great power as as part of the test and clearly it wasn't because the professor's reaction is like uh quite yes that yeah, was yes. uh, uh a mere psychological ruse of course Cornelius. it was yes it was good setting yourself up for your own murder that's amazing and then uh yeah we well let's see what logan's doing so they switched the cameras security where's mr logan wranglers got him heinz wranglers where's mr Ra logan and they're all dead and that's when the alarms go off. And he heads straight to the room that they are in, in another sort of horrific series of sequences, and then opens the door with his claws straight down the middle. Yep. We get a- and we cut to a panel of the three of them. Heinz, you there? Dr. Cornelius? Anybody? And they all look terrified as Wolverine bursts through the door, and it cuts to the end. Yep. But it's not the end. We get a prologue, or an interlude, interlude and escape. And this is what you're talking about, I guess, setting up the where Alpha Flight, uh, the Hudsons, bump into Wolverine. Maybe not immediately, but... Yeah, I think it's interesting that we see uh, the professor's smashed glasses above the interlude and escape. Well, the... I, I mean, we don't know what happened, but you have but... to assume that well, uh, Logan killed all three of them. Probably, but... But it's... that... That may get retconned later on. I can't remember. It's in comics. If you don't see it, it did not necessarily happen. Right. And even if you what saw we do it, see it doesn't happen. Is uh, Wolverine running through winter, getting covered in snow, in several panels, and over the top of that, we get Heinz talking to Cornelius, um, talking about before uh, was was Logan uh, a volunteer for this? No. Was he abducted? Yeah. I'm not too proud of this, Heinz. Are we doing something bad? Well. Mr. Logan was forced into this, and I don't know about force. See, if you listen to the professor, it's like this is all kind of preordained. It's like Logan's destiny or something. How could the professor know Mr. Logan's destiny, sirs? 
I don't, I don't know, to be honest. The presser seems to enjoy causing him pain. It's like torture. Well, well, some guys, they got the worst destinies, you know. Don't cry, Heinze. I'm sorry. That was a lousy thing to say. He is human, sir. Can you tell me? You can't tell me that you don't see it in his eyes. He's, being, he's a man being turned into a monster. I don't know what to tell you, Heinz. I'm going on what the professor said. Maybe anything other than that is out of my league. Uh, cheer up, Heinzy. It'll be over soon. I think the professor is a liar, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. We cut to the very last panel of a bloody hand, some glasses, and some electronics laying on the ground. I feel like the implication is that Logan overheard this conversation when he was being experimented on. He is running through or walking through the Yukon or the Canadian uh, Great White North, and this is right after, and we don't see it, but I think this last panel sort of indicates that, yep, he killed all of them, and then he ran off. But we don't know Or that. maybe he just killed the, like, having overheard this conversation, maybe he just killed the professor. I think this conversation, though, is midway through the story. Oh, no, no. I don't think the conversation is now for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the conversation is definitely something way back. But to your point, it could be something that he overheard right. a while back, which maybe gave him reason not to kill Cornelius or oh, Hines. Sure. But that could be. Maybe not. We I mean, I'm just speculating here. I don't know. Well, um, that's I don't a, know if these characters ever come back. Yeah, it's a good uh indic- it's a good um story mechanic, right? To to leave it open-ended like that to set up all the motivations and uh create a little bit of sympathy so that you can have that debate later on. I think we can all safely assume that the professor was killed. We don't know that for sure. Yeah. Uh but based on that sort of that epilogue or that interlude or whatever you want to call it, um you could assume that Wolverine or Logan left Heinz and Cornelius alive. But you don't know that. He could have killed them too. Maybe he didn't kill any of them. Maybe all this was a dream. When I read this last night, I thought he killed them, but now I'm thinking he let them live. So things change. So there you go. And that's it. That's that was uh, what what is uses in 72 through 84 of Marvel Comics Presents. Right. Yep. So 11, nine page chapters and then a single 25 page story so about 125 pages which is weird it's like weapon x uh marvel comics presents weapon x number 84 it's three chapters of weapon x and then one chapter of whatever other story is going on so it was kind of strange that why didn't they just make the whole book weapon x but i guess there's probably some other I would have liked to have seen issue 84 just be all Weapon X. Oh, are you saying there's no a, extra Marvel Comics presents? There's a backup story in 84? Yeah, there's a one backup story, oh. which is just kind of like, why Why does this need to be here? I got you. But, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's in the past, and uh, there were probably good reasons for it. But it's kind of neat. I mean, I don't know. It's Yeah, you probably could have broken up that issue 84 into a few more issues, eked out a few more dollars from fans but like you said that the last kind of chunk all goes together it's sort of the 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 prologue that all everything that happens after wolverine supposedly kills everybody turns out to not be true and we get sort of a secondary ending and then we get a third ending and it's just like lord of the rings Uh, no it is not just like (laughs) lord of the rings maybe 
uh, they asked Barry Windsor Smith to do nine more pages to fill up the book. And he's like, nope, my story is done. <laughs> and they're like, well, shoot. All right. Let's do some crappy backup story. Yeah. Who knows? Or they wanted to use issue 83's nine parter and bundle that together. And then you'd only have 11 chapters. But I think it works far better to kind of end with him murdering everybody Leaving us wondering for the next couple of weeks, well, what is the last chapter going to be? Everybody's yeah, dead. Yeah, probably. And then, and then after the end of it, you're like, oh. is there any more story to tell? Yeah. So That's a cool idea. Anyhow, uh, Weapon X. It's good, yeah. it's good stuff. Uh, we did not do it justice in, in, in describing it because um, you got to just read it, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a visual masterpiece and you really – it's hard to – it's hard to like describe – how great the art looks and and uh how how quick or how engrossed or engaged you get into the story like i was just reading it and i had some other stuff to do so i was just like well i'll read another chapter uh just it's well these are going i'll go read another chapter because i was gonna like do some of it in the morning some of it in the afternoon and uh i did end up taking like an hour break between a couple of the chapters but it was more like I'll just like when you're binge watching a show on Netflix, just one more, just yeah. one more, just one more <laughs> before you're like, man, it is 2 a.m. and I got to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that bad, yep. but that's that's the that's how fast I, I kind of read through it. Um, so highly recommend everybody go read it. Stand by my claim. That is the best thing to ever come out of Marvel Comics Presents. Yes. Is it the best thing to come out of Marvel? Uh, No. Top 10? Maybe. Probably. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty great. Yeah. Even the, even though I mean, like I said before, you don't. It's not, there's not really much of a story there, but it's still it's just just a fascinating sort of I don't know. Like you said, it's super engrossing. I think to your yeah. I mean, I agree. But I mean, if 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 uh, an experiment like that really occurred, I don't know that you would have. You know, a whole bunch of plot twists and change. Yeah. I think because this just kind of was like, here's a thing that happened. Some interesting things occurred during it. Uh, there really is no, like, what do we get out of that? Other than you could argue that we we got Logan to the forest or the the snow covered forest in Canada where he meets up with Alpha Flight. Maybe. Well, it's kind of like the Rogue One conundrum. It's like, so Disney decided to go back and fill in the gaps of how. So and so got the Death Star plans, a story that we never needed. And and we probably never needed this particular story, the story of how Wolverine gets his adamantium bonded to his bones. I think we need that story. But at the same time, it was you know, it was well done. So So look, I, I'm gonna uh, uh, the best thing in my opinion to come out of Disney Studios as far as Star Wars is concerned is the Mandalorian. The second best thing is Rogue One. I, I said it. You really like Rogue One, huh? Uh, I want to preface this with the <laughs> best star post. No, the best thing since Return of the Jedi. No, the best. No, the best thing since Return of the Jedi that's been released has been the Mandalorian. The second best thing was Rogue One. Hmm. Now, does does that mean that I really liked Rogue One? No, but it just means I, I liked I'd say Rogue Obi-Wan One. Is is up there? It's okay. I liked Rogue One. And maybe, again, maybe it's just sort of the, oh my gosh, we, we get some Star Wars. I can't wait to watch this Star War. And then I watched it and I was like, that was not bad. I liked that Star Wars. 
<laughs> and then you immediately back it up with everything that came after it. And you're like, yeah, that was good. I liked that. I agree. It was a story that didn't need to be told, but they told it. Um, the things in Rogue One that I, I could care that I, I, if I was to, if I was to be the editor on that movie uh, or, or had any creative control, I would have cut out Leia. I would have cut out Darth Vader and I would have just ended it with them blowing up. Boom. Movie's over. Episode four happens. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It really just doesn't matter anymore. Nope, it doesn't. But the point of the the point of the point I was trying to make is I that this the, yeah. story, regardless of the fact that we didn't necessarily need it, it is still really well done and engrossing, and everything you want in kind of a piece of this sort of medium where it's like it ticks all the boxes, regardless of the fact that did we need it, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree and disagree all at the same time. I think that Wolverine is such a, an enduring character, a mysterious character that you know they keep talking about throughout his run in the X Men. Uh, he's got these adamantium bones; they're unbreakable. He doesn't know where he got them. He doesn't remember much of what happened. All of that leads to yeah, the fans kind of being like, yeah, I, we want to know where was he before the X Men? Where did he get these adamantium? Uh, bonded bones. This is certainly things that I wanted to know. And to your point, uh, nobody was asking about the Death Star plans. <laughs> <laughs> so I agree, right? Uh, as much as I, I liked that movie, there was no like, we must know how did they get those plans? Because who cares? Now, yeah. Wolverine is such a built-up character, and, and he's a, a lot bigger of a plot point in the Marvel Universe than the Death Star plans, that at some point revealing how he gets his adamantium uh, is, is warranted, is deserved, is earned, whereas the Death Star plans is not necessarily an earned story. It's just a, hey guys, I wrote this last weekend, we should film it. I guess it's also shocking to me that this is as good as it is. Yes, it really holds up. Because it shouldn't be. Like it, it, it feels like something where it's like, oh, well, let's tell the story of how Wolverine got his adamantium bonded to his bones. And it feels like, okay, well, that's a, that's a no-brainer. We can just phone that in. You could. But they really don't. And I, that's, I, I don't know. I think, and I would like to believe that Barry Windsor Smith, because any issue that Barry Windsor Smith has been involved with 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 Wolverine has sort of uh, further developed his character. And so I believe that he's like, look, this story is going to get told at some point, and I want to be the guy that does it, and I got a pretty good take on it. Yeah, he did. I he don't think right. I don't think Bob Harris or the editors at Marvel were like, somebody needs to write the adamantium story. <laughs> um, because if that were the case, they would have gotten any schmuck to do it. It would have been a three-part or six-part uh, Marvel Comics Presents, or it would have been... It would have been bad. It would have been terrible. So I feel like Barry Windsor Smith championed this. Yeah, it, maybe. Yeah. I like to believe that. I would too, and I'm probably completely wrong, but <laughs> it's what I choose to believe. Giving an artist the chance to do his thing. And, sure. And it comes out successfully. Well, and at this point in like 1990, 1991, 1992 time frame, you can't do any wrong with Wolverine. So any creator comes up and says, I got a hot take for wolverine and i want to do a 12 part story well that's what i'm saying that's why it's we're so lucky that it's actually good right the editors would have been like absolutely what do you need <laughs> you can have anything you want because wolverine is the hottest property we own right now yeah so could you have him cross over with spider-man he's also popular <laughs> yeah and 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 i think and, and the reason that i believe that um 
uh, and maybe this is just because uh, of how the movies have made me so cynical, but I feel like if there would have been much editorial interference, they would have tried to shove in the get the Hulk in there somewhere, get get an X Man in there, get the Professor in there. That's true. Like that was part of the problem. Like if Rogue One had stripped out all of those connected to the original trilogy details, right? To your point, Vader, yep. Vader and Leia, just cut Leia, them out. The C three PO in the middle. The yeah. the guy from the cantina. Oh my god! Yeah, the, all that crap. We're going um, to Tatooine. This story doesn't have any of that, and it and it's and it works perfectly. Yeah. To that point, Adam, not that we need to talk about it at all. Uh, does Andor follow that same thing of no connectedness to anything? I've only watched the first episode of Andor. I have not watched Andor. I'm waiting for oh. it to finish. Uh, it's run and then I'll just watch the whole thing. Okay. Well, I'm told it follows a similar thing. So maybe I'll replace my second best thing since Return of the Jedi with Andor, but I don't know I've yet. I've heard nothing but good things about Andor, so I am looking forward to it, but do you, um, do, you, you know, do you think we'll, that the we'll, we'll see. the second season of Andor will be called Elsif? <laughs> Cuz I really want it to be. <laughs> or or can there be a Star Wars character called Elsif? There should be. <laughs> it's Andor's brother. Yes. So when I think of Andor, I think of this character named Andor from uh, this audio series called Ruby that from that used to be on probably PBS. No, PBS, not PBS. NPR. Ah. Uh, it was like well, those old school kind of radio shows, but this was a, for sort of a modern spin on that. And it's weird and it's wacky. And one of the characters is Andor. And it, it is purposely and slash or. But. Uh, so I can't not think of that character when you say Andor, and that is a little bit distracting for me, but you know, I'll get past it. Uh, I've been in it forever. Right. So yeah. logical <laughs> operators and or else if it's like, uh, they all just, they all connected to me, but. Anyways, uh, if you folks out there would like to let us know what you think about weapon X or any of the other hot takes we've delivered today. You may do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, at Danger Room Go for you Twitter-inclined folks, Danger Room at xmenpodcast.com for email, go out to iTunes or wherever you subscribe to podcasts to subscribe, like, leave a comment, whatever the case may be, uh, or go out to patreon.com slash Danger Room, which admittedly has been a bit dormant, but it will pick up in the next, I don't know, month or so. We've got, we've got big plans, big, mm -hmm. big plans. Uh, our music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld and Adam. Uh, I'm out of steam. Do you got anything else? No, I don't. Well, then, until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed.